Welcome to the Domestic Fuel Cast, a podcast devoted to news and information about alternative fuels and energy. Produced and hosted by Zimcom New Media. The biofuels industry recently got married when a first-generation ethanol plant walked down the aisle with a second-generation LG biorefinery. This relationship marks the first marriage of its kind with the LG plant utilizing the ethanol plant's waste products. I'm your host, Joanna Schrader. Last month, Bioprocess LG and Green Plains Renewable Energy officially started their grower harvest bioreactors. This kicked off the beginning of the final stage to commercialization of LG biofuels, according to Tim Burns, CEO of Bioprocess LG. I think what we've done is we've just accelerated algae for the commercialization phase. A lot of times you hear people, they always say it's 20 years off. It's not 20 years off. It's now. It's going to start to happen. It's, going to, it's happening right here in Shenandoah, Iowa. We have a three-phase commercialization process. We've been through two, phase two of our commercialization process. And this is where we're going to build our first commercial farm, co-location, on, on an ethanol facility using their CO2, waste heat, nutrients coming off of their process and tying those in and producing a what we call a beneficial crop. Co-locate and you have a profitable algae farm co-located with a CO2 emitter. That, in our opinion, is the changer. Everybody moving forward looks at that stack differently and you'll see multiple locations and you fly over, you fly over Iowa, Nebraska, Indiana, you'll see corn and soy but you're going to see concentric circles of these algae farms around those locations. The birth of the bioreactors was celebrated during an event attended by USDA Ag Secretary Tom Vilsack, who said this marriage is what it's all about, and stressed that with over 400 ethanol and biodiesel plants, he hopes to see many more marriages of this type. This is really what it is all about. This is why I am so optimistic about the future of this country and the future of rural America. What a tremendous opportunity, particularly for the young people who are here. You realize that this is not happening anywhere in the world. It's happening right here in your home state in a small town in rural America. And it's going to continue to happen all across this country in rural communities. There's phenomenal innovation and phenomenal growth opportunity to be able to do something for your country that it needs to be done, and that is to wean ourselves off of our dependence on foreign oil. It's an opportunity for us to create jobs in small towns. It's an opportunity for American agriculture to continue to respond to the challenges that it has met time after time after time in this country. That's why I'm here today, because this project, the bioprocessing algae process, has four components that are the secret of success in revitalizing the rural economy. First, there is obviously significant investment in this facility. And it's going to be important for us to continue to look for ways to bring capital into the United States, into rural parts of this country. You do this by focusing on the second component, which is innovation. The ability to figure this all out, and when you see this, it's really remarkable what they're doing. To figure it out and to be on the cutting edge of innovation, that's what attracts investment. It's also about networking. It's not just one company, it's multiple companies working together, and it's also multiple industries. It is not the false debate that sometimes takes place between advanced biofuels and ethanol. It's a marriage of the two. Uh, And this is great because we've got 400 facilities across the country that are producing ethanol and biodiesel. We want those kinds of marriages. We want that kind of opportunity to expand. And so it's about networks, and it's about a sense of place. 
folks who understand agriculture and who celebrate agriculture and who live agriculture and who are not afraid to embrace new agriculture. And it obviously is getting the attention of people all across the country, and frankly, it'll get the attention of people all across the world. For the biofuels industry to meet the country's goals for alternative transportation fuels, the family will have to extend beyond biofuels into agriculture. Burns says that biofuels and agriculture together will provide food, feed, and fiber for the world, all while adding value to carbon. What this means is once you have the co-location opportunity, if you look at what we're, the mega trends we're short in are fuel and feed. And I, I, I want to keep feed in that, that mix. And what are we great in in America? We are the farmers to the world. And we're going to be the farmers to the world in our feed, fuel, and food. And that's what, that's what this co-location opportunity means. It also means we're going to have our youth staying, staying on site and staying here. These are what I call the next industrial revolution is going to come out of this heartland, come out of this agricultural-based community. We've kind of gone full circle. We're going to come back as modern-day farmers that are delivering the farmer, the feed, and the fuel coming out of that platform. Let's not forget, it's a co-location opportunity on a greenhouse gas. That farm, ethanol represents less than 1%. Of the, even though it's a tremendous opportunity, 1% of the GHGs in the country, that means we have the other opportunities exist where you'll have co-location. And, and where it drives to ultimately is you're going to be in, you have to get after the utilities. And they're going to want it. Once they know they can make a product, and they're going to, and then we call it value in carbon. We don't think look at value in carbon as you need to tax the carbon. It's produce a product that's profitable, and every every business manager, every businessman, every farmer, everybody's going to look at it and say, you know, that's what we should be doing. So how does the country become successful in its renewable fuels goals? The first step, says Todd Becker, CEO of Green Plains Renewable Energy, is to be successful with first-generation ethanol. Look, I think what you have to first be is successful at the first generation, be really good at that. And we've proven over the last couple of years our company obviously has been very successful growing from literally no revenues, no profits in 2007 to what will be over $3 billion of revenue in 2011 and profitable. We've shown that this industry you can grow and be profitable. We've done that through a lot of innovation, a lot of the bottlenecking. And when we started this company, we said we can't just look at first-generation technologies. We have to continue to improve on what we're building here. And we met the guys from Bioprocess H2O, and they had this technology around carbon capture. We knew we, were, we had that other third of the corn kernel that would, had no value, right? So you have one-third of the corn kernel that, that's starch, makes ethanol, one-third of the corn kernel that's fiber, that makes feed, and one-third of the corn kernel that's CO2. So how do you go after that value of the other third? And the best way to do that is to take that carbon, put it into algae production, and grow algae side by side at a first-generation corn-based ethanol plant. And then if you can do that successfully, now you now have more products that you can either make more food, more feed, and more fuel out of, and that's really the model to go forward with. So will future marriages between biofuels spell the end of corn ethanol? Not even close. Becker says not only is corn going nowhere, but we will see all first-generation plants co-locate with emerging technologies over the next few years. Corn-based ethanol is is going nowhere for a very long time. First of all, the farmer is going to grow more and more crops every year on the same same amount of land. We are going to see yield increases in the next 20 years that that we think are unheard of today. But we're going to grow so much corn that we're going to have excess corn available to make more and more ethanol out of in the future. I strongly believe that. So the corn-based ethanol market is going nowhere 
for a long time. It's going to be a very important part of our fuel supply. To get the 36 billion gallons, you're going to need both yield increase in corn, producing more per land, but you're also going to need technologies around algae, around cellulosic, and around anything else that's being developed out there. And the best way to do this, we always felt this way, is to co-locate with a first-generation plant. Why? Because if you give me the starch, I'll make you alcohol, and I'll give you, I'll give you ethanol. If you give me the fiber, I'll make you biomass, I'll give you feed, and we'll make a, a really great animal feed. The great thing I have here is I have infrastructure. I have rail, I have tanks, I have distribution, I have the capability to make fuel and distribute fuel, and we don't have to recreate that. So if we find different technologies, either this technology or anybody else that cracks the code, they're going to co-locate with a first-generation ethanol plant. They're not going to put us out of business anytime soon. So there's going to be 40 co-locations for every technology that's developed. You can't just continue to build huge infrastructure when the infrastructure exists today. We can load hundreds of cars of fuel a day here every single day, whether it's ethanol or advanced fuel. So you're going to see 40 plants, first-generation ethanol plants in here and other parts of the country that are going to have co-location with multiple different advanced technologies. Five years ago, I said it was five years away. I still think we're five years away on a lot of technologies, but if you look at what, we're here to, what we've done here today, we are not five years away anymore. If Tim Burns, Todd Becker, and Ag Secretary Vilsack are correct, we should be receiving hundreds of wedding invitations and attending dozens upon dozens of receptions over the next five years. I'm Joanna Schrader reporting. You've been listening to the Domestic Fuel Cast, the official podcast of DomesticFuel.com. Check out the website daily for the latest good news about the alternative energy industry.